Good morning. So, when Sarah asked me to preach today, I was honored, but I was pretty scared, too. You just need to talk about your core belief, she said. You know, the stuff that makes you who you are. Um, okay. <laughs> so, so, I guess in the next few days, I'd better figure out exactly who I am, right? <laughs> I'm not so great at that. I'm not one of those people that many would call a good Christian. The only Bible verses I know are the ones I've heard at church, I've heard here. I've tried reading the Bible from the beginning a couple of times, and as soon as I got to the, maybe the second chapter, but the story where it says who begot whom for about 10 million pages, <laughs> I gave up. I don't really pray well either. I mean, I think about love and life and God when I have moments of quiet in my day, but I can't even get up the courage to lead grace before a meal with friends or family. And to be totally honest, I have so many questions and uncertainties about my faith that sometimes I'm not even sure if there is a God. Maybe if Sarah knew all of that about me, she wouldn't have asked me to preach. <laughs> but here's the thing. The past few years have been difficult for me spiritually. Um, but... And, and that's because of personal challenges, but also just because of watching what's going on in the world. And it, it makes me confused. Um, but in the past few years, I have come to realize that even in the times when I am the most doubtful and the most cynical and the most apt to believe that God is just something we've made up to make, our, make ourselves feel better, I still believe in kindness and justice and humility. Um, I still believe that if there is a God, then God is love. And that love in itself is the greatest evidence of the existence of a God that I have ever seen. So my core beliefs, the beliefs that transcend all of my questions and concerns and uncertainties, are reflected in the names of my children. James Micah and Samuel Irving have names that were so thoughtfully selected as to represent what my husband Chris and I believe about life. They were named after people in our lives whom we love deeply or who we admire because they stand up for justice and kindness. And my oldest, James Micah, was named for the one passage in the Bible that stays with me always even when I am otherwise spiritually lost. In the book of Micah, chapter 6, we hear this verse. What does the Lord require of you? To seek justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Isn't that beautiful? Doesn't it make you just feel so loved and so capable of love? If you do nothing else, just be kind, be just, be humble. This is enough. This is the essence of what is good. 
Yes, I'm glad this is a Bible verse, not because it tells me how to live, but because it affirms who I am and who I want to be. Before the age of about 24, I had no idea that there were words like this in the Bible. Remember, I had only read it to who we got whom. <laughs> but this was still my belief even then. It still is. My job as a human, a friend, a mother, a wife, a daughter, a sister, a neighbor, is to be a beacon of kindness and justice in whatever way I'm able. But what does that really mean? What does it mean to do justice? The word justice is so relevant today, isn't it? Amidst gun violence, racism, homophobia, intentionally bred fear. Where is the justice in that? We all interpret justice differently, don't we? For some, acting justly and seeking justice is by doing a peaceful protest. For others, it's a riot. For others, it's simply treating our neighbors with the respect they deserve and rarely receive. As a woman who is blind, I have seen my share of injustices, um, often small ones, because of my disability. I've been denied access to places like restaurants because of my service dog, or I've been put in a corner where no one can see me. I've been told that when I wanted to go on a health mission trip um, as a social work student in graduate school to Ghana, I was told I was too much of a burden on others to go. Um, I was told by someone in the third grade who I thought was my best friend that I wasn't invited to her birthday party this year because I didn't fit in with the rest of her friends. So in many ways, these are small things, right? Um, I'm really privileged that I haven't felt threatened or unsafe because of my disability. I have been treated unfairly and unkindly by those who really had no idea how much they had cut down my confidence and my self-respect. And this is one of the problems with injustice, isn't it? Sometimes, when enough people tell you that you can't, or that you don't belong, or that you are some kind of smear on the orderly perfection that is the rest of the world, you just let them say it. You don't fight back. Sometimes you believe them. And even if you know well enough not to believe them, it's hard to know how to push back against that well-intentioned prejudice or the ignorance of fear. So sometimes you let them just keep cutting you down because you'd rather lose your own dignity than insult theirs. Consistent injustice leads to a lot of things, but almost undoubtedly it leads to a loss of dignity. I know this. But it doesn't have to, right? And this is why for me, to seek justice is to do what we can to help people empower themselves, to restore dignity, to affirm worth and establish self-respect. Whether it is through a pride parade, or a Black Lives Matter protest, or something far simpler in nature, 
Seeking justice means reminding people who are used to feeling disenfranchised that they are in fact worthy and loved. That we love them, that God loves them. After all, isn't that what the life of Jesus was about? Loving women and children and lepers and the poor. And when we seek kindness, or when we seek justice, loving kindness seems to naturally follow suit, doesn't it? Our world needs a little more kindness right now. When leaders of our state and prospective leaders of our country sling hatred and insults like a driver carelessly throwing trash out of his car window onto the side of the road. Kindness is something we're needing more of right now. But if we can look for and see where injustice lies, then kindness is around the corner. Kindness is in the doing and in the way it is done. Kindness is in the ears, the hands, and the feet. When we are ready to stop talking about ourselves, to stop affirming ourselves, and merely to be present in another's joy or pain or quiet, this is kindness. Donald Trump can probably use a little help with that. <laughs> um, sometimes kindness is about doing. But I think doing is easy for a lot of us, right? If we go to church on Sunday and someone tells us what is needed to be done, we are happy to oblige if we can, right? We give money or furniture or we're happy to fill a pot with canned goods. The other part of kindness is a little harder, the listening part, the presence part. For me, at least, some of the greatest experiences of kindness in my life were when people took the time to listen. When people made me feel like my experiences and beliefs were important, even when I didn't think they were. As a person who has experienced some injustice in her life, and as a person who has let too many people minimize her dignity, I can assure you that a person who listens matters more than I can ever express. A person who truly listens is present in the joy and struggle of her neighbors. Presence reminds me that I matter, that I'm worthy of being heard even when I don't believe it myself. When we know the struggles of our neighbors, when we really listened, then we can put our kindness into action and meet the needs that we see. Presence inspires action. It inspires justice. It inspires love. Presence, too, inspires humility. Humility is something we also need to use a little more often today. And the Lord requires us to do justice and love kindness, but also to walk humbly. I think that's something we often forget. Something I often forget. This week, I got into an argument with my husband. It was that kind of argument that starts about one thing and turns into an argument about other things. And um, we went, to, you know, when we both went to bed angry or hurt, or most likely both of those things. And we probably said what needed to be said, but we could have been a lot kinder when we said it. And we both like to have the last word. 
Because it makes us feel a little better about ourselves, right? Have any of you been there before? Please tell me I'm not the only one. But last night, um, Chris and I were sitting in our kitchen with um, some new friends of ours. They are friends from the Democratic Republic of Congo, and they're new to Portland. And since there was no space for them and their baby daughter at the family shelter, we offered them some space in our home for a while. And so we were talking and laughing in the kitchen for a good while, and, and then they started to tell us about their homeland. And we learned a lot from them. Towards the end of the conversation, they said, how wonderful it is that we can go to sleep tonight and feel safe. That we do not have to worry about the police coming into our home and taking everything we own or threatening us with guns. Life in Maine is not paradise, but it's safe, and that is good. So when the conversation was over and they had left, Chris turned to me and said, well, that certainly makes our argument the other day seem pretty silly. And he was right. That's humility, right? Humility is getting in touch with what matters. Humility is about having perspective. Remembering what's important. It's about acknowledging where our privilege lies. Having the last word in an argument isn't so humble. It's self-serving, really. Humility is willingness to acknowledge your faults, learning to do so. Humility is remembering gratitude. When you are sitting up in a chair at night because there is nowhere in the city for you to sleep, not even at the shelter, and instead your thoughts are of gratitude that your baby daughter is safe tonight, that's humility. We all need a little more of that, don't we? When we are present with our neighbors, we can remember humility. We are acting in kindness. We are inspired to seek justice. When we can hear those around us really hear them, this allows us to be humble. It encourages us to see the need and meet it, to restore justice by restoring worth in those who have been told too many times that they are not worthy. This is what my life is about. I'm not perfect at it. Sometimes I'm fearful. Sometimes I can't see a clear direction. Sometimes I fall into the self-fulfilling prophecies that surround my disability. But these things, kindness, justice, humility, remind me of my worth and the worth of my neighbors and the role I must play in all of it. When I feel spiritually lost or confused, the principles of Micah 6.8 keep me grounded. When I speak my son's name, James Micah, the reason is there. If there is a God, God wants us to love as we are loved. And the beauty that exists in the kindness, the justice, and the humility that arise when we truly love our neighbors that's something I can only understand to come from the gentle, loving, merciful hands of God. Kelly. Oh, 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 Kelly. Oh,
It's hard to go right to the song. <laughs> <laughs>